Good morning, everyone. Come on, stand up. Get ready to worship with us. We're going to pray. Go ahead and play for us, Monica. Lord, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you so much for everyone here. I'm not going to pray for you. Let's all pray. Let's all pray to start this fast. Let's all press in this morning. Lord, we love you. Lord, we love you. Lord, we are coming into this fast today, this time of prayer. We're coming in expecting great things. We're coming in expecting a move of God like we've never seen before. We're coming anticipating breakthrough in the name of Jesus. Come on, if you're anticipating a breakthrough, just go ahead and say amen. Just go ahead and and thank Jesus in advance that he's going to break through that hard place in your life. That hard place, the hard places in our nation. In Jesus' name, we need you, Holy Spirit. We need you. Come and have your way. Come and have your way, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus.
Jesus' name. 
about to sing a beautiful song, a song with words of great power, words of healing, words of encouragement, words from God, the Creator Himself, in His love letter to us, His Word. generations and your family 
children. May His favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children. May His favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children.
spirit in us strengthens us. So be it. So be it.
At this very moment, there's healing going forth. At this very moment, God's mending broken hearts. At this very moment, the presence of God has entered in. There have been people in here that are lost. And God is saying that I am here for you. I am with you. I have never left you. I have never forsaken you. I am here. I am your father. I am your brother. I am your mother. I am whatever you need me to be in this moment, in this hour. I have not left you. I have not forsaken you. I am here. I keep hearing it. I am here. I am here. I am here. You are not lost. You are not alone. I am with you. I don't know who that is. I don't know who that is for. It may be someone that's watching online. You are not alone. You are not lost. You have not gone astray. He says, I am seeking you. He says, open your ears. Open your eyes. Hear that sweet whisper of my voice. I am calling you. I am here for you. Father, I just want to thank you right now. I want to thank you, Father, that you are here with us. You are for us. You go before us, Father God, in every battle. Father, I thank you that you cause us to triumph in everything that we do. There is no failure in you. Therefore, there's no failure in us. We are overcomers. Hallelujah. I give you glory and honor because you are the faithful, faithful, faithful father. He's a good father. Worship has been powerful this morning. Take advantage and bask in his glory and in his presence and receive everything that you are seeking, everything that your heart is looking for. Seek it while he may be found. So this is that time of transition, but I don't want you to move too quickly out of his presence. I don't want you to move too quickly out of what he is providing for us this morning. I want you to receive everything that he has for you. He said there is a hunger and a thirst in this room that only he can feel. And he says, I am feeling it right now.
He says, open your mouths. I know this is going to sound strange to some, but it's like those little birdies that have their mouth wide open waiting on the mother bird to feed them. That's the hunger that's in this room right now. And he says he is stirring the nest. And he is filling you at this very moment. Amen. Amen. Okay. I am Pastor Daisy Lowe. Pastor DJ is out this morning with the, with the sniffles. So just be in prayer for him. And Jules, this morning, we have a fabulous teacher, preacher, apostle this morning uh, in Pastor Bo Barton. I'm excited. I'm excited for the word. I'm excited for the wisdom that's going to pour forth out of him. Um, so we're going to, this is our transition time. We're going to transition. So whatever you, you need to do to meet someone that you don't know, I don't care if you shake hands, if you elbow, if you chest bump, whatever, just meet somebody, talk to somebody, uh, greet someone in this place this morning and ask them, did they get filled while the presence of God was here? Amen. So online, congregation, don't leave. Share this link. It's going to be a powerful, powerful morning. And um, we'll, we'll be right back. Okay? All right, guys.
with the announcements. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Destiny Church, Alabama. Okay, I'm, I'm, the announcements are, um, it looks like small groups, small groups have started back. <laughs> right? Okay. All right. Uh, we also have um, our midweek services are, are back on track. So we have Fat Tuesday, woo, which is prayer, healing, and teaching. And that is taught by Pastor Daisy Lowe. We also have DSM uh, with Pastor Kevin and Crystal Rodriguez. If you want your children to be shaped spiritually, to be poured into, uh, Pastor Crystal and Kevin are phenomenal at it. So bring your kids by. We have protocols set up. It's really easy to follow. Uh, and we're doing everything to make sure that your children are protected. Um, we also have uh, Mama Lo <coughs> with DSM. No, not DSM. It's Destiny Kids. <laughs> Destiny Kids. And um, I'm telling you, this woman's phenomenal. Anybody that knows her knows how infectious she is and how phenomenal she is. So bring your children out for that. <clears throat> uh, let me see. We also have today starts off, kicks off our prayer and fasting. 21 days of prayer and fasting. And, and this is what I have to say about that. If you haven't tried it, the Bible says that when you pray and fast, it's not just prayer, but it's prayer and fasting. And it is a mandate. It is what we're called to do as uh, citizens in this great kingdom. Everyone's called to pray and fast. Uh, fasting is a natural discipline that can bring about supernatural results. It's hungering for more of for the unseen than the seen. Fasting is not a diet. Don't do it as a diet. It is a benefit that you lose weight during a fast, but it is not, we're not doing it to lose weight. We're doing it to draw closer to God, to hear God, to clear out all the garbage and the clutter that, that we have. There, there are seasons sometimes that we go through and we stay in them a little bit too long uh, where we don't hear God, where we don't have direction, where we don't know what to do. Fasting opens up that door. It's, it's like, you know, opening up a window of heaven and pouring out a blessing. That's what fasting does. Fasting, God is, I'm telling you what, I'm on point Every time I fast, I, I mean, I've got an answer for everything. I don't, you can come to me. I'm telling you, it's not me. It's the Holy Spirit in me. And I know what to say, how to say it, when to say it. I know when to hold my tongue. I, and I'm telling you, he just gives me those, the, the wisdom and the knowledge that I need to know for that person that comes. Uh, there's, 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 you know, word of knowledge. There's, there's all kinds of things that happen when we fast. So I'm encouraging you too fast. I'm encouraging. Listen, if you can't do 21 days, do eight. It's the number of perfection, right? Do eight. Just try it. Let's do it. This is, this is the time that we need a shift in our government. Government. We need a shift in this earth. We need something that's been, been plaguing this earth. We need it to be moved out of this earth. And we have the power to do that through prayer and fasting. Amen? Okay, 
I, I think that's it. I'm going to introduce Apostle Bo. He's going to come up and he's going to give us a word. So this morning, you know, I, I don't, I don't do this. This is not natural for me to, you know, do transitions and, and announcements and all that. But I am good at this, identifying the wealth of wisdom and knowledge that a person carries, right? The gift, you know, to the body of Christ. And this is the scripture that came to me. And it says, um, it comes up, it's coming out of Proverbs. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. Guess what we're going to get this morning? Wisdom. Amen. I just want to bring up Apostle Bo Barton and you all. He said, the word says, in all you're getting, get understanding. And that's what he's going to bring to us. Amen. Soften me up 
Bibles, go ahead and go to Genesis 18. Me and Rachel and Manny, I sound really loud. Is that in the house loud or just in these speakers? Hello, hello. Uh, we were in Texas this week preaching and we drove all night, well, all day and got back late last night, 14 hours. Uh, not because I was preaching, because I didn't know that until the day before, but because we wanted to be a part of starting a fast with the family. Uh, because it matters to me what we're doing. And we'd already set our schedule to be back here for this morning. Because we want to be a part of what we're initiating here. And so, uh, Brother DJ got in touch with me. You know, we, we always are talking and... and uh, told me what was going on there, they're sick. Uh, they got tested for COVID, they got tested for strep, and they're negative for both. They're just sick. It still just happens. And, uh, and he was having a lot better this morning when we talked, and uh, so anyway, they'll be, they'll be back around here in a minute. They're good. Y'all pray for them and let them enjoy these days. Um, so he asked if I could come, and we'd already been talking about what day I was gonna come in here, and so it worked out really awesome. Uh, also, on the 20th and 21st of August, when we go to close the fast, this just happens to coincide, but my, my boss, one of my three spiritual fathers, which is my dad first, and Bill Barton, and, and Pat Schatzlein, our, me and Rachel's pastor out of Tuscaloosa, and Brother David Hogan, my actual boss, uh, who is over us in Mexico, is coming here to see what I've been doing for the last year and a half with y'all and everybody else in the area. And he's gonna be here Friday or Thursday night. We, we got the dates jumbled up, we got it sorted out. But Thursday night on the 20th at 6.30, we're gonna have service here. And Friday night at 6.30, we're gonna have service here. And it's gonna be, it's gonna be very insanely awesome. There's not anybody else like him that I know of in the world, and I've been around some pretty amazing people. The authority that he walks in is amazing, and, and he's going to come here, and, and it, it matters. It matters that he's coming, because as, as y'all have submitted to me, and I have submitted to him, and we're all submitted to the Lord, uh, it's, it matters that you see that I am a person submitted. And when you meet him, there won't be no doubt about what order that submission goes in. Uh, it'll be pretty clear, but it's going to be very powerful. It's going to release a blessing in the Holy Ghost into this house that is beyond my capacity to even release right now in the position that I hold. In, in, in the book of Acts, God woke me up one morning and spoke to me. It's one of the most preached chapters that I preached out of in the last 20 years. Uh, Philip gets dispersed because of persecution in Jerusalem. He goes out preaching. He goes into a city in Samaria. The Holy Ghost comes. People are getting healed. Demons are getting cast out. The lame are walking. I mean, it is awesome. But it says in there that the apostles heard, got word of it in Jerusalem, and they came. And Peter was one of them. And Peter was one of the men who was over, over uh, Philip. 
when he was chosen to be one of the deacons handing out bread. So there was a relationship. And I actually believe that Philip called for Peter to come because I can't, I can't verify this, but I think they had a relationship and he, he might even saw Peter as his spiritual father. And, and, and God woke me up one morning in, in Mexico and started showing me things that I'd never seen in this chapter. And what he made me understand is that Philip, at that moment, he didn't have, he didn't have a need to call anybody. People are getting healed. He, is, he has saved the city. He had. Nobody ever heard the gospel. He shows up and all you have is miracles and the glory of the Lord. And he had a decision right there. Do I just keep doing what I'm doing and I don't need anybody else? Or do I realize that I am part of a family and I have a father and he needs to come and he needs to be able to put his seal of blessing on what I'm doing? And, or do I just do it by myself so I don't have anybody else trying to interfere and tell me what to do? And I think he had a decision to make. But I think he chose to invite and to once again submit himself to the authority in his life. And when Peter and the apostles came, it says in there that they began to release something that had not yet been released in that city through the hands of Philip. And people started being filled full of the Holy Ghost and baptized in power to the degree that the witch doctor wanted to know how to have that kind of ability. And so I believe that's what's going to happen, especially the way this fast is coinciding. There's going to be a release in this house. And, and some of y'all don't understand what I'm saying, but believe me, you just should be here. You, you, you should be here. And so that's going to happen on August uh, 19th and, or 20th and 21st, Thursday and Friday. Awesome. Uh, I'm excited about this fast. And before I get going, what I want to say, I, to me, what I have learned through the last... 20-something years, 23 years since I did my first fast. The thing that, that I think of the most when I hear fast is this. I'm telling God, I'm telling Yahweh, I'm telling the Holy Ghost, I'm telling Jesus. I need a strength that I cannot get from food. I need a power that I can't, I can't get anywhere down here. And so the things that normally give me strength to do what I do, work, exercise, do life, that is not sufficient for what I have in front of me. It cannot, it can't, it can't, it can't do anything with the need that's in front of me. And I need what you have. And so I'm going to put down food and every source of strength that, that I have in my life naturally. And I'm going to abstain from that because I need a power that comes from you. And that's why I feel so much... Uh, strength when I fast because I'm actually abstaining from physical health and totally dependent on the spiritual because there are things in your life you can't fix because you're strong or you're smart or you have money or you have understanding every one of us in here are, are confronting issues in our life in our families in our world and we don't have the power to fix it you know why we're not rice missionaries in Mexico it's because there's just too many people to feed. And you can't feed them all. And we do what we can. But what we have learned is I can teach somebody how to open up heaven and touch God. There is no end to that supply. But the money that's in my bank account, it, it has a, it, it's short sometimes. But there ain't, no, there ain't no lack in that bank account that comes from the Father. 
And it is his good will to give us the kingdom. So I encourage y'all. I encourage you to be here tomorrow. Uh, I just had the first opportunity for me, myself, to be here this last Monday for prayer. And, and it's, it is the most important. It's more important than this service. It's more important than Fat Tuesday. It's more important than the kids' service on Wednesday. It's more important than small groups. The most important thing we will do in this church is come together and see God. And it's not that them other things are not important, but they are not at the top of the priority list for my life. I preach almost every day when I'm doing... valuable thing that that we that we prioritize in our life and it is the least valued and prior prioritized thing in almost every church yeah I'm good thank you this will work fine thank you Miss Holly very few of y'all come to prayer some of you can't because your jobs and there's there's real obligations and and there's what's going on in the world and all that's fine but some of you just don't come because you're lazy and you're stuck with the same problems day after day, month after month, year after year, and there's no change and you wonder why. You come to church every Sunday. There is a, there is a power available for us if we will come together in unity. Do you understand in Psalms 133, that's where the Bible says that God commands his blessing. When the house and the family of God's in unity, God takes notice and he commands the blessing over his people. And there's nothing greater you can do to show unity to the Lord is come together as a family to see God with one sole purpose to lift your voice to heaven and pray for our family here, for our family in our house, and for our generation. I'm telling you, it needs to be important. There is an answer for you in this. There is a victory in this for you. There is a, there is a deliverance for you in your house. And you need to value that. You need to prioritize. You need to do what you can to be here. And if you can't, you can't. There's no condemnation. But don't, don't come just because you got your favorite TV show on. They, they got things called like Tebow and stuff now. It needs to matter. God needs to see that it matters to us. All right. I'm going to move on now. In 18... Verse 1. Thanks, Finn. Yeah, that's good. Thank you, buddy. All right. I just want y'all to be encouraged. You know, my life in Jesus, in a church family where I became part of a family in Tuscaloosa, was an amazing place. It was just a deep presence of God. And we had a Monday night prayer meeting, too. And that prayer meeting would be almost as full as the church services. And it was so powerful because the church services, like on Sunday morning or Wednesday, they were so full of the presence of God. And it was, they'd start singing, you could just touch God. You could be touched. You could be free. And it was awesome. 
But when we did the Monday night prayer meetings, there was nobody leading on worship. There was there was none of the, the exterior things happening. It was just everybody coming in and praying. And, and what it taught me is that what I experienced as a corporate setting on Sunday morning was also available when none of the other stuff was going on. And we were just in there talking to God because the presence of the Lord would fill the house. And what that also produced in me was an understanding that if it can happen on Sunday and it also is there on Monday, then it also will happen in my bedroom on Tuesday morning. And what it did, it helped me to mature into the, to the revelation understanding that I don't need a full-on church service to be in the presence of God. And, and we need to develop that. We need to take advantage of this time and allow the Lord to become real to us. I have spent the last several months in, in, in Genesis reading and rereading the life of Abraham. And, and I, God has given me just a notebook full of things that, that he wants me to share with the family here and everywhere I have influence. And so over the next few months, I'm going to be doing that. And this morning, I, I just want to touch a little bit of that. And, and I just want y'all to understand some things. In Genesis 18, verse 1, I'm going to read. It says, Yahweh appeared once again. Yahweh appeared once again to Abraham while he lived. Yahweh appeared once again to Abraham while he lived. I just think about that and forget about everything else. Yahweh appeared once again to Abraham while he lived. The Bible in the New Testament, in Romans, you can read it in 4 and 3 when it begins to talk about Abraham. It, it, it actually says that Abraham is the father of our faith. It says in Romans 4 that he is the example for us. Jesus is the chief example. Jesus is the one we, we should absolutely be conforming to. But he is also stated to be an example for us as children of God through the same faith that he had. We should look at his life and see an example for us to follow. And when you read what it says right here that once again Yahweh appeared to Abraham while he lived, that's an example that I want to see fulfilled in my life. And I refuse to accept anything less than this. If he is the father of faith and the example for me, and he showed himself to Yahweh over or to Abraham over and over again, then I should absolutely be expecting the exact same thing. And not when I get to the pearly gates while I live. Because this is the example, this is the life given to us. And Abraham doesn't have a Bible. He doesn't have a church service to go to. He don't have other believers to come together and congregate with besides his family. He lives in the middle of the most pagan, idolatrous time probably ever. But he had a relationship that had nothing to do with a Sunday morning church service. Yahweh appeared once again to Abraham while he lived. And I, 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 
I want to question and ask y'all, what, what are you anticipating? What is your expectation this morning? As we begin this fast, as we come to church, what, it, what are we hoping for and absolutely demanding from, from the Lord in this relationship that we have with him? Because I believe what you should be expecting and should be demanding through faith from him is that he appears to you once again in the land of the living. And say so that's hard for most people to even get their mind around because they have been in church their whole life and they've been, they've been taught different things and they've taught if I do these rules and if I obey the laws and if, I, if I'm here on Sunday and if I you know, give my tithe, if I do that, 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 that is good. And I'll make it in. I feel sorry for you if that is the only hope you have right now sitting in this place and you've been coming to this church or any other church your entire life. Because that is not why Jesus came. He came to bring you into the fullness of the revelation of who your God is and his name is Father. He has come to restore you to your original purpose when he created you before the foundations of the earth and that is to know him and to walk with him on this planet. When you go to the first man and woman, you don't see Adam and Eve thinking he's not coming today and I hope I make it through this deal and one day I'll get to glory and I'll get to see him. They expected and anticipated his arrival every day even when they weren't doing right. I think Genesis is one of the most neglected books in the Bible by people who know God. And it is one of the greatest treasures that he's given us because it shows you what relationship with the Father looks like without church involved. It makes it be intimate. And that's what most of us don't want because intimacy calls for responsibility. Yahweh appeared once again to Abraham while he lived. You go to chapter 12, and, and that's where the story of, uh, you don't have to go there. I'm not going to, I'm just going to talk. If y'all, I, I would lie to you and tell you I probably wouldn't be long today, but that's not going to be this service. Uh, so if y'all are watching by alone, I, online, I'm sorry, Brother DJ. I'm probably not going to make that two-hour cutoff. That, that might not be true. That's not my point, nor my goal. My goal is just to, to, to say what the Lord once said, right? And your goal is to hear it, right? <laughs> Yahweh appeared once again to Abraham while he lived. In chapter 12, it just says that, that Yahweh, the Lord, spoke to Abraham. Go to this place that I tell you. We don't know if that's the first time he heard the voice of the Lord. We don't know if that was his first encounter. We don't know how much understanding or depth of understanding Abraham had in chapter 12 when the voice of the Lord came to him and told him to get out of his land and leave his inheritance, leave his family, leave his friends, leave his possessions. We don't know. What we do have is a man following the voice of the Lord on one command. 
and leaving everything. Do you know what's so amazing is that the Bible says about Abraham in Hebrews that he looked for a city not built with hands. He was looking for something that he knew no human man had ever made. He decided to live in a tent and dig his own wells because what he desired and what he esteemed as the greatest thing he could ever, ever reach or ever, ever obtain, it just couldn't be made by another human. And so he decided to live a vagabond lifestyle following the voice of the Lord and waiting for a city that, that, was, that was not made by man. And, and what most people on planet earth today and in churches today with their incorrect eschatology, all you're doing is waiting is, oh gosh, we're going to get out of here. The rapture's coming, I'm leaving. That's sad. Because I was born for such a time as this. Let me tell you why I walk on this planet and that is to claim it for the Lord. And I'm not looking to get out. I'm not looking to escape. I'm looking to conquer. I'm looking to tread on every dark, dirty corner on this planet and say this is my inheritance and I'm going to make it like it was when God originally purposed it. That is what this, when the Bible says that all of creation groans for the sons and daughters, that's what it's talking about. About us standing up and being accountable and accounted for and walking in the fullness of what Jesus has created us to be. It's not that I'm not wanting to be at the feet of Jesus for eternity. I only have one desire, and that's to get there. But I also know that I was created for such a time as this. And if I can't go there yet, then what I want is this. Yahweh appearing to me once again while I live. Jesus walked into my bedroom and said my name while I lived. He started me on this journey that has brought me to this place right now in this moment. And you know what? I have in my heart a burning desire to see him one more time while I live. And I'm also looking for a city not built with hands. <laughs> They're not contradictions. They feed one another. Just think about Abraham. If he heard the whisper of the Lord in such a way that it, it totally convinced him to pick up and move his family to a place he had never been and leave everything that, that he had ever known. If it was so amazing, that, that encounter, that appearance of the Lord in the form of the voice, do you, I believe Abraham thought, what will it look like where there's no hindrance and I'm not trapped in a physical body and I don't have any of these things that keep me from fully seeing the Lord like Paul said, when I'm no longer looking through a glass darkly, what will that glory be like then? He was driven. He knew that this was not everything, but he also knew following you gives me access to you while I live. Do you understand believing in Jesus gives you access while you live? Walking in obedience and following the whisper of the Lord gives you reason to hope for another appearance while you live. See, people don't talk about this much in church because it obligates you to actually have to make a decision. Am I going to anticipate and expect this or I'm just going to say, oh, that's ridiculous. Everybody knows that's gone. That don't happen now. This, this, that ain't this church. 
That's not who we're going to be. God wants to visit us while we live. He has spoken over this house and over this family and over this area, and his desire is to appear to us while we live so that we'll burn for a city not built with hands. Abraham says right here, Yahweh appeared once again to Abraham while he lived by the grove of Mamre. He, during the hottest part of the day, as Abraham sat at his tent door, he looked up and suddenly saw three men standing nearby. As Abraham sat at his tent door, he looked up and suddenly saw three men standing nearby. It was the hottest part of the day. Do you know that uh, just from reading a little bit, you, you come pretty quickly to the conclusion that Abraham was filthy rich. In chapter 14, it says he goes after the armies that carried off his nephew Lot and he armed 300 male servants of his house. I don't know how many servants y'all got at your house, but I don't think anybody in here has 300. That's a lot. And that's just the men. That ain't the women and the kids. You're talking about somebody that had bank. But you know what's so amazing? That even though he was filthy rich and insanely blessed by the Lord, at the hottest part of the day, you know where he was? Sitting in the shade like the poorest man in his tribe. Like the, like the lowest servant in his house. He was sitting in the shade because he couldn't do nothing about the sun at the highest point. And he was forced to physically submit to the natural law that was happening. Just like everybody else. <laughs> If you read and you just take a few minutes, and I've studied this out, up to this point in the Bible, from 12 to chapter 18, Abraham had five visitations from the Lord that, that are accounted. Uh, who knows if he had more, but there's five written down for us to look at. And, and what's, what's so just, oh, I love it, because God does not allow you to understand he does not allow you to fully know. He does not allow you to have it all figured out. He will not allow you to have every answer all the time. He's not going to let it. And you know what's cool is that every time from chapter 12 to 18, he never came to Abraham the same way two times in a row. In chapter 12, it says, the voice of the Lord, the Lord spoke to Abraham. Then, and at the end of the chapter, it says, the Lord appeared physically to Abraham. Then the voice of the Lord came again. And then Abraham had a vision. It actually says he had a vision. And then he hears the voice. I mean, it comes differently every time. But what Abraham had come to understand, even though it might not look the same way every time, he's going to show up if I just keep walking in obedience. And all I have to do is have expectation and be waiting for that moment. And he was forced to be in tune with the Lord and to walk in intimacy with the Lord so that when God did show up in whatever form it was, he could discern that's the Lord. And he didn't have no Bible. He had to look at some of these things and say, is that the devil? Or is that God? 
But because of the depth of a relationship that he walked with the father, he was able to discern when his father showed up. You know, there's lots of things going on in the world right now and, and there's all kind of opinions and there's all kind of thoughts about how we should be as believers and there's different things we should respond to. And this, yeah, I've heard it all. And I don't know. I'm going to tell you, I don't know. As your faith is, so be it unto you. <laughs> I, I don't have no condemnation nor judgment because I I, I'm trying to figure it out for myself. Just be honest with you. I don't have a problem telling you that. Hey, my job to have it all figured out. My job is to wait for the Lord to appear and obey what he says. If Abraham had the, you know, because it's funny, I read that I'm thinking, you know, well, Abraham was such a friend of God. How come he ain't stand up telling that son to bow down and cover itself with clouds so he can go about his business and do his job? He had to go sit in shade and wait for the sun to pass. Do you know in Acts, I can't remember exactly the chapter, but you got all the disciples together in a pile and it says that the prophet stood up. They'd come from Jerusalem, was visiting one of the churches that Paul had started. And the, it says that one of the prophets stood up and said, there's going to be a great famine in the land. Jerusalem is going to be under a famine. I read that and you know what they said they did? They stood up and rebuked the famine and said, no, it won't. That ain't what happened. You know what they did? They said, oh, wow, I guess we should take up an offering and try to feed somebody. Those people don't like to hear stuff like that because they don't want to read their Bibles. We just want to make a blanket statement that makes us feel like we, we're not affected by anything that happens. And that is not always the case. It says that the disciples with the prophets after a supernatural manifestation of the voice of the Lord telling them what was about to happen, their response was to take up an offering. I like that because that's not how I would have thought they should have responded. So you got to think about these things before you get yourself in a box that the Lord is absolutely obligated to destroy and leave you in a place of disillusionment that makes you turn back from following him because you thought you had the answer and he reveals to you that you didn't. The answer he wants you to have is you are worthy and I follow you. Amen. Everything else, I hope I think I got it right. But I know one thing, you're awesome. And I'm going to be like Abraham. I am going to put my chair at the tent of my door and I'm going to sit there until he comes by and I want to lift my eyes and I want to see him one more time while I live. And Abraham did that. It says he was sitting right there at the tent of his door and he looked up suddenly and he saw those three men standing nearby. He didn't see them walking by. These three men came on purpose to the door of the tent of Abraham. Do you understand that God, he is coming to the tent of your, he's coming to the door of your tent. The one who made you has purposed himself to come to you at the door of your life. He hasn't abandoned you because it's hot outside. He hasn't left us because the world seems like it's in chaos. He is saying right now, I got a desire. And you know what it is? To show up at the door of the tent of my son and daughter. And just maybe they are going to anticipate that I'm coming. And they're going to lift their eyes and see me standing there looking at them. 
How many times has the Lord come to you in a time that might have been physically difficult, spiritually, or emotionally difficult when you were under great distress and you couldn't do anything about it with all your great prayers and all your verses and you just, you almost are just wanting to quit the gospel in Jesus because everything you thought you were supposed to do is not working. And so it just must all be a lie because I said the verse. And do you know in that moment, almost every single time what God is desiring for his sons and his daughters to do in that moment when they can't figure it out, he is wanting you to lift your eyes as you sit at the door of your tent so he can show you how much he loves you because he came down from heaven just to come to your house. You need to hear this. This is the gospel. We have a God that wants to come to you. We have a father who is not content to sit on a throne in heaven and watch you wiggle down here like a worm on a sidewalk. He desires to walk into your life and blow your ever-living mind. And he wants to do it when it's the most uncomfortable physical moment in your life. The Bible says in Chronicles, the eyes of the Lord go to and fro. Why? Look at who he can zap and erase from the planet. Some people got some theology. It's just so wrong. His eyes go to and fro because he is desperately searching for someone who is looking to him who he can show himself strong on their behalf. Do you understand that? He wants to show out for you. He's looking for an opportunity to come and show you who he really is and reform your misconcepted ideas and your backwards theology that grandpa and grandma taught you. He is the Lord who wants to appear to you while you live. Jesus, come on. Listen what happened. It says right here in verse 3, or in verse 2, finishing. He looked up and suddenly saw the three men standing nearby, and as soon as he saw them, he ran from his tent to welcome them. <laughs> he bowed down to the ground, and he said, My Lord, if I found favor in your sight, don't pass me by. Stay for a while with your servant. He, he had a relationship that, that had some maturity to it. At this point, he's been walking with the Father. He's been following the whisper of Yahweh for 24 years. I mean, he'd been walking this trail for a while with the Lord. He was on the, what, what a lot of people call the long path. And he had, since chapter 12, you can see through the examples that's given us, you can see him cultivating and growing and maturing in his relationship and his understanding of who the father was and who he was to him and who he was to the father. But you also get the insight because the Lord mercifully, mercifully, one of those words, shows us his humanity and lays it bare. Because the dude was jacked up, the father of faith. And he lets us see that. 
But what he had been able to do is become so intimate with the Lord that as he's sitting there at the heat of the day and he was being dominated by the physical circumstances all around him and being forced to submit just like we are, that was not allowed. Abraham did not allow that to change his expectation and his demand of faith on the Lord. He will appear to me one more time. He will come to me. He will visit me. And when he showed up, Abraham, being this extremely rich man with all these servants and all these animals and all this wealth and influence and authority everywhere he went, his response when he lifted his eyes and he saw the three men standing there is that he leaped from his seat in the heat of the day and he ran. Most rich people don't run. But he did. And you know why he run? Ran? It's because he recognized who it was who had come to his door. And I don't know where in that process Abraham actually began to distinguish that one of those people standing there was the Lord. But he did because when he gets to the three men, it says he prostrated in front of one of them and he said, Lord. And when you look that word up in, in, in the Hebrew, it actually is Elohim. Like it doesn't mean like Lord, like boss, Mr., sir. It's Lord like God. It was specific. There was no misunderstanding what he was saying when he bowed down. He said, Lord, Elohim. And by his, his, his familiarity and his intimacy with the Father, he was able to recognize when he was receiving a divine visitation. But because he did one thing, he was able to discern who it was who actually was at the door of his tent. He responded properly. And he left his place of comfort. He left his protection from the heat of the day. And he ran and he bowed himself down. And somewhere in that response, because he might have thought, I don't know. He might have thought, maybe that's just the angels of the Lord or the messengers of God. I don't know if he really understood who one of them was until he responded properly to the visitation of the Lord. And I believe as he began to respond properly and got proximity, he distinguished exactly who one of them was. It's Elohim. And he bowed before him. Do you understand? I, I, I say things all the time. People, you know, they don't understand unless they do understand. You know, and I, God will speak to me whether it's inside or outside. Uh, you know, I haven't had many physical times where I've actually seen the Lord. I mean, just once or twice, not, not often. But I've had lots of appearances from the Lord in lots of different ways. But right here, you have God putting on flesh. This was a man who was God. You understand? This wasn't no glowing light. It was three men. God put on humanity before the birth of Jesus. A lot of people call these type of things, and I, I agree with this one, that it's called a Christophany. And that is a, a before the virgin verse appearance of Jesus in the Old Testament. And I actually believe this is Jesus. And I, I can kind of prove that in Scripture. He is the righteous judge of all the earth, and when he begins to tell him what his mission is, I'm pretty sure that's who he was. 
Either one, he was one of them. And he's standing right there in, in the flesh. See, most of us have no grid and we absolutely refuse to there be a thought in our mind. We can't even entertain the possibility that God would actually put on flesh and walk up to our house. And it's not like I have always thought that way or anticipated that. It's not that I would have told you I didn't believe that would happen, but I didn't really expect it to happen. I mean, I'm just, I didn't. I knew it could. I knew it had. But it's not like I was waking up every morning thinking, Jesus, you going to come sit at my front door today? But I'm telling you, after the last few months, and I've read this, and the Lord just began to deal with my heart of, of unbelief and doubt and his desire and the level that he wants to come and be with me. When, I, when he began to deal, I began to change. I began to pray this. God, I'm lifting my eyes today to see if you're at the door. God, I don't want to hear a whisper. I want to see you physically come here. And see, I begin to pray that, and I am praying that. And that might be weird for some of y'all, and that's okay. I like being weird for y'all. But if just one of you will actually begin to believe that you matter that much to the creator of heaven and earth, that you begin to expect this, then I'll call that winning. I'm going to call that winning. Because it's the truth. You matter this much. You matter this much. You matter so much, I drove 14 and a half hours. That ain't even, doesn't even deserve to be discussed in how much you matter to him. He gave his son to prove it. He made a way for this to be our reality. So why would we accept anything less than this? It says right here that he began to speak to the Lord. He said, Lord Elohim, if I have found favor in your sight, don't pass me by. Stay for a while with your servant. I'll have some water brought to you so that, all that, so that you all can wash your feet. Rest here a while under the tree since you stopped by your servant's home and honored me with your presence. I'll have food prepared for you so that you can be refreshed and then you can go on your way. Listen to the example of the father of faith given to us. When, when the Lord actually did come and appear to him one more time while he lived, look at the response of Abraham. It wasn't, oh yeah, the Lord's here. I don't have a son yet. Now's my time to put my, my list of petitions before him. It wasn't, hey, God, I need to be richer. Hey, God, I need to have more land. He didn't ask for one thing. You know what he did? Please give me a chance to serve you. I read that and it struck me because one of the, the, the first thing Abraham asked to do for the Lord and the angels is this, let me go and bring water to wash your feet. Which instantly prompted that, 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 that thought about Jesus being in the house of Simon the Pharisee. He invited Jesus to come. He threw a party in Jesus' honor, supposedly. But when he got there, he completely ignored him. And when the, 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 the sinner woman, as the Bible calls her, came in and out-honored Simon with Jesus, Simon got offended, and Jesus addressed him. And the first accusation that Jesus threw at Simon is this, I came to your house and you didn't even give me no water to wash my feet. Ho! Oh, See, it matters how we respond to the visitation of the Lord. 
It matters that when we properly identify that the Lord has appeared one more time to us while we live, and, and if it's in the presence, in the service, through the worship, the preaching, or in your home, in the voice of the Lord, or you see him, none of that matters. It matters that you respond properly. Because he could go anywhere, but he didn't. He came to you. And what Abraham is doing when he said, let me bring water to wash your feet, I believe he was really inwardly, inwardly and outwardly acknowledging, you could be anywhere else, but you're at the door of my tent. And I recognize that you made them feet come here for me. So please, let me bring you water to wash them. It matters how we respond, church. It matters that we begin to understand through a developed and matured intimacy with him that we can, we can discern when he's here. That we can discern when the Lord is appearing to us, when the Lord is showing and manifesting himself to us. We need to grow to the place that we don't have to have somebody get up and point it out. That you just know he's here. And when you are able to discern that, it has to provoke a response in you that is in accord with the level of visitation. And if he's here, there's nothing too extravagant. It says right here in verse 5, verse 6, they told him very well, they responded, go ahead and do as you have said. In verse 6, it says that Abraham hurried back into the tent and said to Sarah, quick, we have guests. Get three measures of fine flour and knead it and bake some bread. And then Abraham ran to the herd, selected a tender choice calf and told his servant, hurry, prepare this calf for my guests. And then he brought the meal they had prepared, roasted meat, bread, curds, and milk and set it before his guests. And Abraham stood by them under the tree while they ate. Y'all all right? I got so much to say. I'm not going to say it all today. But it's the hand of the Lord that I'm standing here today as we start this fast. The whole reason God has brought me into this family at the level he has brought me in is not because I got a lot of experience and knowledge. Most of the churches that I've dealt with my whole life have about eight people in them on the backside of a mountain. There's one reason why I believe he's brought me here because I expect he's going to show up. And I'm at the place in my life where I'm demanding it through faith that he appears to me one more time while I live. I've actually been convinced and am being convinced every day more and more that I matter that, most, that much to God. And it ain't because I'm ignorant of who I am. I'm just beginning to understand more and more of who he is. And it's producing a faith in me that his love is greater than any of my stupidity. I don't have to say it to you. This is how I have conversations with myself. But he says right here that when he got permission from the Lord to serve him, he runs to the kitchen. And there's Sarah, you know. And if Abraham's the father of faith, I think it's okay to say Sarah must be the mother, huh? Do you think that's I think that's fair? And he run, he runs into the kitchen. It's funny. Because this would be like Jim Ward running into Karen Ward's kitchen, telling her what to make when people showed up. And I'm pretty sure that don't happen. He might have a suggestion of what he'd like to see on the table, but he pretty much knows that 
that's not where he goes. But Abraham, he runs to Sarah and he tells her, prepare food for my guests. He doesn't tell her, Elohim is at the door, woman. God is here in the flesh with two angels. He does not ever say that. That's a pretty vague statement, don't you think? Prepare food for my guests. Is that how you're going to declare it when you run into the house to get things in order to do something for the Lord? Are you just going to say, hey, I got some guests out here. Get this ready. Is that, that's not how I'd be like, Jesus is here. Come, everybody. I, I mean, I'd carry on like a fool. But he didn't do that. And it matters that he didn't. You know, everybody doesn't have eyes to see and ears to hear where they're at right now in their moment in life. Not every one of you in here are in that place. And it doesn't make you bad. It doesn't make you less than a son or a daughter. But what it doesn't make is it my responsibility to go out of my way to point out something that God is not revealing to you. What my responsibility is when I discern that the Lord is here is to be extravagant in how I respond and put an example before you. Not tell you, you're so dumb. How can you not see? How, come on, Sarah. Oh, he, he's here and you don't even know. He doesn't do that. He doesn't rebuke her. He doesn't despise her. He doesn't criticize her. He doesn't do any of that. He just goes and gives the orders that he thinks are appropriate for what's happening. And he gives her specific instructions on what to do and how much food to make. And I, I told you, I've been studying this stuff. He literally had her made make almost two wheelbarrows full of bread for three people. And then he ran to the, the herd and had his servant. And he said the same thing to his servant. I need you to do this for my guests. He didn't tell them that the Lord was here. He just gave orders that were appropriate for the visitation that he was receiving. And he didn't take time to try to make everybody understand why are you being so ridiculous about the amount of food that you want and the way you want it prepared for three people. We could feed 200 servants, Abraham, with this meal. And there's three people and you're running around like a crazy person. His job was to respond to the visitation appropriately, not teach everybody else by showing them and telling them who it was. His job was to put an example of what it's supposed to look like. That was a hard thing for me to learn in my own personal life and my family with my, my children and, 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 and other people is because God, I, I would seek God and I'd begin to expect him and God started me off with a visitation in my walk with him and it built up an anticipation that this can really happen because it happened. And then I, I believed that, but then at times I would be frustrated because the people around me, when God would begin to come and his, and his presence would flood my house or my life for a, a season or whatever it was, that they wouldn't respond the way I thought they should, and I would get aggravated with them. Why can't you see? Why don't you understand? Why won't you get in this with me? And I had to get to the place of maturity and understanding is that God's not allowing them to see. And I can't take the scales off their eyes. Only he can. My job is to be loving and caring 
and actually show him what it's supposed to look like when he does come. Look, I was a brand new believer in my church in Tuscaloosa and, and the missionary who took me to Mexico, Brother Brent Hancock, he, he had invited us to Mexico. I invited him to come, and I worked it out. I don't know how the pastor let me, but he let me have this missionary come in. He was supposed to preach on a Sunday morning, but Brother Pat, his eyes gave him some problems. He had to have surgery. It was a mess, and so at the last minute, they told me they had to cancel the Sunday service, and it was the weekend that the missionary had actually gotten there. And I felt bad, but, you know, it was a real situation. I told the missionary, look, they don't know you, and it'd just be better. Pastor can't be there and all this. He's in the bed, eye operations, all this stuff. And, 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 and Brother Britt said, I don't care what you have to do, but you're taking me to pray for that man. And I'm thinking, I have access to him, but I don't know if I got that kind of access. And, uh, but I, I, I called and talked to his wife, Sister Deb. She's going to be with Jesus now. And I explained to her, and she's like, okay. And she said, yeah, she let you know, I'm brand new. And she gave me permission to bring this missionary. And this missionary, Brother Britt, is loud. Like, he don't have a quiet voice. Like, if he's talking, he's yelling. And he's excited. And, and I'm going up there and I'm telling him, like, look, now, they did tell me that, you know, he, he, he has these uh, migraine headaches from all this. And so you got to be very quiet when you go in there. You can't yell, Brother Britt, you know. you got to be real quiet. And he's like, okay, okay. And I'm thinking, oh gosh, you know, we get to the door and he has his family with him. And Sister Deb opens the door and I, I make the introduction and, and she looks at Brother Britt and she tells him, the Lord told me he was coming today. He told me that he was coming with you to heal my husband. I mean, we're standing in the doorway and I'm brand new. I mean, all this stuff is brand new to me. And I'm just looking around. I didn't even know this stuff happened. And she's looking. She said, the Lord told me he was coming today, and he was coming with you, and he was going to heal my husband. And I was like, I, I was in awe of just that statement. That was such a brash thing for her to stay, say at the door with her husband under the threat of losing his eyesight. And I'm thinking, wow, man. And then she said something that I have never forgotten. And she said, when the Lord told me he was coming, I got up before the sun and I've cleaned every inch of my house. Everything I own is clean. Everything is in the proper place. Everything is perfect in my house because Jesus is coming today. I ain't never forgot that. See, that, that is called expectation. See, that's where I want to live constantly. That I believe to the point I will do something so extravagant like clean my house for 24 hours because God told me he's showing up tomorrow and it's got to be perfect when he gets there. See, we have to grow in expectation. And to have a greater expectation, what we really need is to have a greater understanding of how much we matter to him. Because when you begin to get a clue on that, it's not so hard to believe that he might show up at your door today. You actually begin just kind of to expect it. So he has this huge, crazy meal prepared for all these people, these three people, you know, it's just ridiculous amount of food. And, and, and so they sit down and they eat. Elohim, the Lord, ate this man's food. 
I've been asking Jesus, I want to have the chance to feed you when you come to my house. I don't mean serve and wash your feet. I want my wife to make food that sits on the table in front of you, and I want to watch you put it in your mouth. I'm asking for this. Do you understand the level of expectation that I am demanding that I grow into? Because if Abraham is the example, I'm the follow, and he's the father of faith, it is illegal for him to get something I can't have. Illegal. It is against the law of God. It's against the law. If he loves us all the same, it's against the law. And when we actually begin to believe that, our life will begin to change. Your family will begin to change. Your church will begin to change. Your generation will begin to change. You can go out in that street and burn every building down in this city. It ain't changing one heart. This right here, this conquers generations. This right here tears down strongholds that have always been. It says in Romans 4, I read this yesterday, that when it talks about Abraham, I think it's in 4.16 or so, I don't want to turn there, but it's somewhere in there. I challenge you to go and find it. See if I'm lying. In the Passion, it says in 4.16 or 17, that Abraham, being in the presence of God, believed God could, can raise the dead and do things that are not. Abraham, being in the presence of God, believed that God can raise the dead. Do you know what the most important part of that whole sentence is? Not that he believed that God can raise the dead. It was that being in the presence of God, he now had the, the capacity to actually believe that God can raise the dead. Why? Because he's standing in his presence looking at him. Do you realize that when you begin to expect and have these encounters and live in the presence of God, when you're standing in the presence of God, is there anything too great for Yahweh to do? When you're looking at the creator of heaven and earth, is there anything he can't accomplish? The problem is not believing that he can do it. The problem is living in the presence of God so you can actually believe that's possible. When we're in his presence, everything is possible. Sarah, I've skipped the end chapter because I, I do kind of want to be done now. You know, they fix this big meal and they eat and and. The Lord is about, Elohim is about to leave. And, and he tells him, I will return in verse uh, 10. It says, then one spoke up. This is one of the angels actually. And he says, I will return about this time next year with, when your wife Sarah will certainly have a son. Sarah overheard it. For she was at the tent door not far behind him. And now both Abraham and Sarah were already very old. And Sarah was past the age of childbearing. Sarah laughed to herself with disbelief, saying, A woman my age have a baby after I'm worn out? Will I now enjoy marital bliss and conceive with my aged husband? There were some things that weren't happening no more for other, other people that don't understand. That was not happening anymore. And I'm not trying to be vulgar. That's what that's saying. There wasn't even a possibility. Season's over. And yet, yet Sarah 
she still doesn't know who's eating her bread. She doesn't know who she's serving yet. The Bible talks about it in Hebrews. You know, you need to be careful how you treat people when they come to your door because it might be the angels of the Lord you're actually serving. And you don't know because they're going to look just like Bob. I'm telling you, y'all better think about how you're living. God wants to come. You know how many people, how many times I probably have missed the appearance of the Lord because I was not, I was not, I wasn't interested in that moment. It was just too stinking hot to get out of the shade and go find out if that was him or not. Or I was too busy. Or they didn't look like I thought they should look. it, It makes my heart tremble to think how many times God probably came to me and wanted to show me that he loved me in a new and amazing way. But I was just too dull to discern that it was actually him. And I left him standing out there on the road. But it doesn't put me under condemnation, but it does make me understand I have a responsibility in this. I have to be anticipating. And when I think there's even a hint it might be him, I need to get up and start running. And I don't care what anybody thinks. You can ask my wife, my kids, I'll embarrass them anywhere at any time. If I think Jesus is in it, I'm done. Because I don't want him to have to keep walking because I never would lift my eyes because I didn't believe he actually cared enough to show up at that moment in my life when I needed him the most. Forget that. That is a lie from hell. You do matter that much. But Sarah, she hears what, what, what the angel says, and she, she laughs to herself with disbelief and gives all the reasons why it's not. And it says in verse 13 that Yahweh knew her thoughts and asked Abraham, why is Sarah laughing? You know, I, I read this and it made me laugh when I read it a few months back because I and my family and Finney and Rachel, even my girls, they can tell you that we have been in this same scenario a million times. That's a lot. Not that many. A lot of times. Where we've been in a village and they're blessed that you came and you brought them Jesus and they're giving you the very best food they have and they're so honored and you might not be at the level of intimacy that you would like to be with them or whatever it might be, but they won't even, the, the Indian brother and, and wife won't sit at the table and eat with you. They make this huge meal and you know it's pretty much everything they have and they put it for you on the table and they both take about two steps back and, they, and the whole family will sit there and watch you eat. It's very uncomfortable. You can't make no faces. You can't act like you don't like something. And my kids are no. Everything is, is, is good, thank you. It's good because you gave it to me. It might not taste like I want it to taste, but it's good because you fed me. And it's not a lie. But you, we've been in that situation, and I, I'm telling you, I, I saw so many different times this and it was just cool because I can see the husband standing right there and right over his shoulder is the wife watching the guests eat. I'm telling you, I've lived like that. And, and so when this, this plays out, I can see the woman standing behind her, Sarah standing behind Abraham with this smirk on her face and she laughs on the inside, but it's got enough sense not to laugh outside. And Yahweh just discerns her thoughts and he, he, doesn't, he doesn't even acknowledge her. Abraham, why is your woman laughing? And Sarah, all of a sudden, she hears something that opened her eyes. See, it don't take much. It doesn't make you be less. 
You just need one right touch of the Lord and your everything opens up. And it says right here in verse 14, do you think there is anything too marvelous for Yahweh? When he said that, the scales fell off. I don't know why, but when he said that question, it penetrated every bit of, of, of blindness that she had spiritually to who it was sitting there. And, and it says in verse 15 that all of, us 15, all of a sudden, Sarah was afraid. She wasn't afraid before when God was sitting at her table eating her bread. She, she laughed at the very thought that she would have a child. But when he says, do you think anything is too marvelous for Yahweh? That right there brought her to a place of revelation and she instantly knew who was at her dining room table and she became afraid for the very thoughts of her heart and her disbelief and her doubt. <laughs> you know, it's funny, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this because it's funny. I was reading this one day and Rachel was sitting over there by me and I was like, look at this woman. And God already promised to, he's going to give Abraham a child. She won't believe. She has Abraham locked up. If she would believe, Abraham doesn't have a kid by now. It's her fault all these years. Abraham hadn't got, it's like I hadn't read the Bible. Because uh, the next day I went back to review chapter 17 and I was like, ooh, because there God's telling Abraham the same thing. And it says that Abraham fell down on the, in, the, in the passion. It says when God told Abraham, you're going to have a son, you're going to have this. You're gonna, and Abraham had zero problem with any of that until he got to the part where he said, your wife is going to have a son in a year. And it says that Abraham fell down on the ground laughing. He didn't laugh on the inside. The dude fell down, and he knew he was talking to God. Fell down on the ground laughing at what God just told him in the presence of God unveiled. Are you kidding me? How can God have such kindness and mercy and patience with us and our just refusal to believe that there's something too marvelous for Yahweh? But that's who he is. He is that patient. He is that kind. He is willing to wait until you just get tar tired of, tired is too, walking in unbelief and doubt. And then he will lovingly open your eyes so you can see. I just thought that was amazing because Abraham, and I think it was just a matter of days because it actually, he tells Abraham in 17, and within a year, your wife's going to have a baby. And here, here he's sitting at the table with Sarah and Abraham. And he tells them once again, within a year. So it was just in a matter of, I don't know, days, weeks. So it wasn't like Abraham had gotten to a place of faith because when he got done laughing on the ground at what God had declared to him he was going to do and wanted to do, Abraham said, no, 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 no. You can do all of that, but I got this figured out. You need to do it with my other son who came from the concubine. I can believe for that. I just can't believe my wife's going to have a baby. He, he didn't just laugh at God. He tried to give him instructions on how to do his job. But I want to read to you and I'm going to stop. When, when God said that to him in chapter 19, verse 17 in Genesis, uh, 
He, he, get, he tells him why he, Abraham tells God, it'd be better if you just do it my son. What about my son Ishmael? What about Ishmael? He's already here. I can believe that you can do all of that with him. But I can't believe you can make a, dead, a woman's dead womb come to life. I can't believe you can make my physical body come to life. But I do believe you can do it this way. That's where most of us have our problem. We think God can do certain things if he does it in a way we physically can comprehend and sign off on. And that's where we get into trouble. He can do it if it's like this. Well, what if God wants to bring you meat from heaven by the bird's mouth during this time? What if God decides he wants manna to come out on your yard every day and he wants you to walk out there and get it in front of your neighbors and, and they watch you eat in your front yard, stuff laying out there in the grass? We're okay with God giving us a raise or sending a check in the mail or we getting a stimulus check from the... What if God wants to do that? And so we laugh because none of y'all think that's possible. What do you think the man thought as he sat by the brook Kidron and waited for the bird to bring his meal every day as everybody else around him died from starvation? But listen to the mercy of God. And this is where I want to stop. 17, 19, after Abraham gives him all this excuse, God says this. In verse 19, God said, listen to me. I promise. Is there anger in that reply? Y'all feel the wrath of God against Abraham falling down and laughing in his face and discrediting everything about him? Do you, do you, do you sense God's just disdain and, 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 and just being finally done with Abraham and his unbelief. Do you hear that? Or do you hear him saying, listen to me, son, I promise. See, I want some of y'all to hear what God is telling you today. He's saying, quit trying to figure out how I can do it or why I can't. Just listen to me. I promise. I promise. I promise he is not a man that he can lie. None of his words have ever fallen to the ground. I promise. That's what he's saying to us today. If we actually will live in a place that, of expectation that he's going to come and visit us during this time and during our generation, as crazy as it might sound, and we don't have the ability to figure out how, he's just telling you that is none of your responsibility. Your responsibility is just believe because I promise. That's just awesome to me. I promise. I promise, Bo. I promise, Daisy. Promised him, Finney. I promise, Eli. I promise that's who he is. And he wants us to actually believe that. Because when we do that, oh, there's nothing too marvelous for the Lord to do. There's not one whisper he's put in your ear that he hasn't already figured out how to do it and he doesn't need any help. He just needs you to say, okay. Sarah had to be rebuked by just one thing. Why is your wife laughing? He didn't even talk to her. But that brought her into a place of faith. And, and, and it's amazing because when she heard that, fear did come on her heart because she understood 
what she was actually saying and doing and in whose presence it was, but it also brought her into a place of faith to understand he didn't kill me, he doesn't hate me, he's still telling me in a year it's going to happen, and I'm telling him he can't. And it brought her into faith to see the hand of the Lord. And as an old woman, her womb was made alive. And she becomes the mother of faith. And generations were blessed because of her. Why? Because she believed after 24 years of probably being mad at God because it hadn't happened yet. He promises. Come on, Finney. I'm telling you, we're, we're starting this every time I've ever moved into a new area. Brother David taught me, when you go into a new area and you're going to open up a new area, son, you, the first thing you do is not go out to a village and hand tracks out, not look for sick people to pray for. The first thing you do is you go in your bedroom and shut your door and you stand there until you can't stay no more. And you fast. And you bow yourself down to me and I will give you authority over every demon of hell in that area. First time he taught me that, I moved into a new area for the first time with, with Finney and all of them here. They were little, and I went in my bedroom for 10 days and didn't come out. Six days, no food, no water. The rest of the days, no food. And I didn't do nothing. I laid on the mattress and listened to the Bible. I laid on the mattress and thought, this is really boring. But on about day nine or 10, God came into the room with his presence. And I knew when I walked out of that room that I had been given the area. And I actually believe that's what the Lord is trying to do to us. He is trying to give us our generation, our families, our city. He is trying to give us our state. His eyes are doing this constantly. Who can I give it to? Who can I show myself strong for? Who can I show them there's nothing too marvelous for me? I promise, but who will let me? Who will lift their eyes right now at the door of their tent and see me standing there? He's not just here. He's at the door of a lot of tents and a lot of people and a lot of families. But most people will not lift their eyes right now because it's just too hot and they're beaten down. Telling you, lift your eyes, church. Stand up. We're going to lift our eyes. I'm telling you, come and pray with us tomorrow. Come and do this fast with us. Come and just believe one thing. I promise, says the Lord. I promise. Is there anything too marvelous? Is there anything impossible? I promise. I promise. I catch myself all the time. On purpose, physically, wherever I'm at, lifting my eyes, telling the Lord I'm at the door of my tent looking. I mean, all the time, I'm riding, I'm driving, I'm sitting in my house, I'm doing work on the lawnmower, and I'm lifting my eyes, and I'm saying out of my mouth, I'm looking, where are you, Lord? I'm at the door of my tent. In Revelation chapters 3, it gets in there, and he talks about the church, and, and they've just grown cold and hard, and they're just, they're just, they're just nasty. And he says, you ain't hot, you ain't cold, I'm just going to throw you up. And he says something that most people use improperly, not that it's not an okay application, but he's actually talking to a church saying, I am at the door knocking. If you'll open up, I want to come in and eat with you. And he wasn't talking to a person right then. He was talking to an entire church. 
And he's telling them, I am at the door knocking. He's at the door of this family knocking. He is at the door of your heart knocking. You've got one responsibility, open the door. Live in expectation and believe that his promise cannot fail. Begin to lift your voice. Begin to ask the Lord to take scales off your eyes. Begin to ask the Lord to give you grace to believe because he promises. Father, I thank you for this house and this family. I thank you, God, that we matter that much. That every one of my failures and my, 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 my doubts and disbelief, you stepped over them to tell me, I promise, son, just listen. That you are not, not asking for my permission to promise. You want me to hear the love and the kindness and the mercy and your patience in your voice. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Let a holy expectation begin to arise in our hearts. Let us begin to anticipate your coming. Let us begin to anticipate your arrival. God, appear to us one more time while we live. Loose your voice in our ears. Open our eyes to see you standing there with your holy angels at our door. You are worthy, Lord. Teach us how not to live below what you've called us for. Teach us not to live in a lesser degree of intimacy that allows us to see you, to serve you physically, to hear your voice or to touch you. I want to see you while I live, Lord. I want to see you in a city that I built with hands, but till I get there, God, I want to see you while I live. Yahweh, I want to see you while I live. Let an expectation arise. God, let us begin to believe that you have chosen us for this day, for this generation, that we were born and placed here strategically by your hand for such a time as this. I receive, God, your righteous declaration over us. I believe it, Lord. I look to the Lord Jesus with all my heart. I look to you, Lord. Help my doubt and unbelief. Come on, Jesus. Some of y'all need to come up here and pray. You're going to need prayer. Just begin to come out of your seats. If you need God to touch you, if you need God to touch your house and your family, if you need God to touch your heart, to move into a deeper degree of, of, of faith and, and intimacy, to believe that he is promising you, come on out now. Some of you have sickness in your body. You need to come and get prayer. There are people here that need God to touch them, and you know you need that. And you need to come, and you need to reveal your heart. You need to lay it bare and open the door. You need to lay down every expectation that does not come into agreement to what he's declared over you. If you want that, you need to come. You need to come and let the Lord touch your heart. Jesus, bring our hearts together in unity, Father. Let healing begin to flood. Let healing begin to flood into this house and in these families. God, let us move into such a degree of expectation that when we walk into here, when we open our mouth towards you, we actually believe you're there present to gather, to gather every word. Father, let it be so. Come, Holy One. I love you and I bless you, Jesus. Just fades away when I'm on fire for intimacy. I want the oil 
love just fades away when I'm on fire for intimacy. I want the oil. Cause every other lover just fades away when I'm on fire for intimacy. I want the oil. Here 